1: Hej och välkomna till vår podd som heter Eat, Drink, Think, Travel med Tove Daniela Jag är Daniela, Tove är här Ja hej, hej Hej, hej Och såklart så sitter vi i Fredrik och i studio som vanligt. Hej Fredrik. God dag. idag. God Goddag idag. Jag har världens whiskyröst. Um, jag tänkte ljuga och säga att det var för att jag drack massa, massa whisky igår, men det är faktiskt bara en vanlig förkylning. Vi har ett litet speciellt upplägg idag. Vi har gjort en intervju med Douglas McMaster från Silo i Brighton, som är en zero waste restaurang. Så vi kommer faktiskt ta hela den här podden på engelska. Mm-hmm. Från och med nu. I from <laughs> No. i to you and English so think that we can just get mm. no,
2: it's a good idea. Really? <laughs> I don't know because you speak very good English. You speak good English yeah, too. But anyway, and Fredrik speaks good English, maybe? I'm okay. Yeah. Sure. Oh, we can try anyway. We
1: can try. Mostly because Douglas then can send this podcast out to his friends if anyone in England wants to listen to it, which is a good idea too. So um, I met with uh, Douglas, and we should just listen to the interview, Sure. and then we can talk a little bit about. Maybe, it Maybe I think
2: maybe we should. To- um, maybe you could explain a little bit uh,
1: about him. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, and when did you met? You met him here in Sweden, didn't you?
1: Yes. So um, I actually met Douglas uh, about two years ago for the first time. So I went to Brighton to eat at Silo, which is a zero waste restaurant. It's um, based on a concept that was started in Australia, where uh, Douglas also worked at another cafe called Silo, and then he decided to take the concept of Brighton and open up a restaurant, which was a huge undertaking and a lot of work and much more work than he anticipated. But he succeeded, and it is a zero-waste restaurant, which is fascinating. So I met Douglas now when he was in Stockholm to do a dinner at uh, Restaurant Akademin. Uh, food and Friends arranged it together with them and got to sit down with him and, and speak. And he will speak about issues with the restaurant what's difficult why he's doing this and some other things and i think it's really interesting to listen to so let's listen
2: yeah right there.
1: i'll play it back thanks so uh, <clears throat> i'm sitting with uh douglas mcmaster from silo in brighton hi douglas thanks for joining our pod
3: uh, it's a pleasure to be here
1: can you tell us a little bit about you because you're very interesting your background and what you've done
3: Sure. Um, so I've been a chef for uh, 14 years and um, worked uh, mostly or exclusively in very fine dining restaurants and um, restaurants across the world from um, from Australia to San Sebastian to New York to Copenhagen to Stockholm to London and, and, and other places as well. Um, and I spent many, many years um, part of a... A machine that um, is, uh, is very wasteful and I didn't you know realize that that was a problem to me until I met somebody who was dealing with waste and uh, showed me um, an incredible uh, it was actually a restaurant um, made out of waste materials and they had this dream to not waste food and at that point seeing that kind of being part of that made me realize how much across you know my career I, I hated waste and it all sort of made sense um, to, to sort of do something about that um, so yeah sort of uh, connected to the subject about five years ago um, and then in the last five years I've been uh, opening zero waste restaurants and dealing with the issue um, and then in previous years I've sort of Whilst that is um, a crucial part of what I do, it's, it's actually just the beginning of, of, of what I do. It's, um, it's, you know, I always like to think that zero waste is the first door, and you go through that door and there's many, many more doors that open. Um, you have to sort of behave differently when you're trying to create no waste. Um, there's a lot more challenges that face you, especially in a, an industrial market. Um, that we sort of have to adhere to Um, and uh, so I sort of um, Realised that to make to, to be zero waste we had to make every single thing from scratch like more than you'd realize has to be done um, from scratch and um, whilst that is quite daunting to a lot of you know restaurateurs and chefs it's very rewarding and if you're clever about how you promote that and how you sort of simplify the process to allow that to allow that sort of you know caveman cooking um it's uh the the product changes for the better or it should do <laughs> if you do it well um and uh, that is very rewarding of course um and makes business very unique um just to give some examples um we uh we we make our own almond milk and we um m- mill our own flour and we churn our own butter and we butcher whole animals um so we do all of these things uh, to avoid packaging but what's amazing is the, how much that changes the business how much kind of um how much of a unique nature it adds and when you sort of come into the restaurant and eat the food it does taste different and it does feel different um and uh, the model, the business model, for me is a very, very exciting one, and I definitely think this is a first of, of many, and in the future, there will be more siloesque restaurants
1: but is it um, it must be much more um, staff consuming to to run a restaurant like this like did you think that it would be the same as a normal restaurant, and have you discovered it's more or?
3: So definitely always that was the biggest fear. Um, Now, there are multiple kind of efficiencies which can, um, you know, make that labor cost uh, come down. Um, I'll go into them in a bit, maybe. But um, basically, it is still more, you know, I think as a typical restaurant, a very, you know, in my experience you know working in restaurants they'd always you know aim to sort of hit a 35% you know staff cost mm. you know of your total revenue um well some people say 30 but i think that's that is quite low um and um yeah so silo is 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 always 40 and above mm. always you
1: now so it's more like a fine dining restaurant I guess. yeah
3: yeah exactly it is like a fine dining restaurant but they now, the what? But not with
1: the fine dining prices because you are yeah. not expensive.
3: No, no. Um, but the, the key is that, okay, so as a business, you know, how do you shift that cost? Where does it shift? And the obvious solution is, 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 is food, is ingredient costs because that is cheaper yeah. because it's holer. You know if you buy a whole animal, it's three pound a kilo. If you buy the same animal but broken down for you, it works out on an average six pound a kilo, oh. so you're literally doubling uh sorry you're halving your cost of a cow <laughs> and that's a lot of money um, with wheat you know we bought a three thousand uh, pounds flour mill, which paid for itself in um, in six months um, because whole wheat is cheaper now. After six months, you know, a year and a half later, we're, um, you know, we're, we're making money from that because we're a bakery and we bake 20 kilos of flour a day. So, you know, that's a lot of money. That money adds up um, and so on. And like butter and yogurt and cheese, these are all expensive things compared to the price of milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you have to be super, super clever with, you know, not doing you know 20 things when you can do you know four things you've got to be you know you've got to limit what you actually you you know you spend your time doing and what goes on the menu you have to have a simple menu of course but I think in the future you know culturally we'll appreciate a limited menu you know I think that is already starting starting I think so too yeah so hopefully people will recognize not only that the quality is higher but you know in my little zero waste world people will be able to see a limited menu and think you know that's because this restaurant's ecologically okay you know it's not good but it's not dreadful like every other restaurant um so you know hopefully that that sort of uh, cultural appreciation will shift um So, 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 so yeah, no, the, um, the, the staff costs are higher. It's a different model, but I can, I can happily say that as a business, we're profitable. You know, we made, um, in our first year, we made 20,000, which I think is 200,000. Yeah. Yeah. 200,000 Corona in the first year profit, which, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, Yeah. it's good. I'm not going to go buy myself a Ferrari just yet, but Mm -hmm. it works
1: it won't be terribly zero waste <laughs> yeah. you have to get a horse
3: <laughs> and buy the best child horse money you can buy yes
1: <laughs> that'd be awesome have a horse outside Has, I mean Brighton Brighton is a fascinating town because and the fact that you choose to have Silo in Brighton is also very interesting because mm. Brighton as a whole seems like a very wasteful town yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to everything you mm. know people go there and party town has, um, and where your neighborhood, where Silo is, has some part of Silo seeped into your surroundings, you think? Has it affected your little street
3: corner? I I think um, it's a difficult, difficult question. It's a really difficult sort of, you know, um, the problem with, the problem with, you know, people and wasting things, is that it's it's uh, very ingrained um, into us to, to, to it be okay to waste, you know. For me, you know, I, I sort of have these sort of silly visions of, like, people being, like, you know, arrested for wasting things and taxed for wasting things and, you know, to be sort of looked down upon. You know, if you're going to look down upon somebody for, you know, there's all sorts of sort of you know cultural prejudice but but waste is not one and it should be yeah it's a really terrible thing and you know in my journey of understanding you know waste as an issue I learn about this you know industrialization and how that's affected you know the western world and um, you you realize um, that not only you know does Industrial food processes physically waste a lot of energy, a lot of materials, a lot of water, a lot of etc. etc. But it changes our anticipation and our expectation of 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 how we can eat and buy and sell and consume food. It it makes (laughs) us believe you know that food is something very very disposable and the 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 products around food is very disposable and you know you you can see it everywhere and also
1: we don't touch it anymore no it comes in the packaging it's like we lose that respect for actually absolutely being part of the food and Mm. what we consume and I find the most interesting part is that when I grew up my mom always said don't throw away your food yeah you know we always ate all our leftovers. Yeah, yeah. The freezer was always filled with stuff. Yeah. You know, we picked all our berries. Yeah. Nothing was thrown out.
3: No. And that's part of, you know, your sort of upbringing. So to you, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of primal almost mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to, to treat food in a respectful manner and you know you can always i use the word caveman a lot but like you can always use that sort of uh, analogy You, you always think like okay if i was living in a cave what would i you know how would i eat how would i consume food how would i waste food or not waste food and you know it's just very different um to, to sort of a world we live in today. But um, I think that fundamentally, you know, food is, you know, the source of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to go too deep, but um, I think that there's, um, yeah, we've sort of turned our back on, you know, organic nature. And I don't mean on organic as a certification. I mean organic in its purest form. Like food is made up of... Yeah, bacteria and um, all of the all of the things we need to sustain life now industrially the process is to kill that life you know because that life is <coughs> what makes bad business you know that that life is what you know makes food sour or ferment or go rancid and big businesses can't deal with that so they strip the nature out of food to make it have shelf life and make it convenient and to give people more choice that is you know industrial food um but in every single way that is bad that is bad for our health especially you know we're eating dead food which has no you know life to it this Mm -hmm. is why there's everybody's (laughs) suffers with gluten intolerances and lactose intolerances because the food is denatured and pasteurized and you know bodies are just um unresponsive. to it yeah. yeah we don't know what to do with it Yep. Yeah. and um
1: <clears throat> see i am in the same belief that and we also see an increase in allergens in you yeah. know when i was a kid mm. you were allergic to cats yeah you know there's very yeah. few people that are yeah. allergic to like lactose yeah. or gluten yeah. and yeah and it's I think that more in the U.S. maybe, but it's also now coming more here and, mm. you know, all these diets and everything, it's, you know, you're supposed to do certain things, but eating McDonald's is fine, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's okay. So I, I'm 100% with you in that whole sense, and also I think that zero waste is a much more. Um, it's a better word than sustainability. Yes,
3: yes, absolutely. And I'm really glad you picked up on that because zero waste is looked upon as, I can't well, it is a buzzword, and I'm sure you were telling me earlier about you know food trends and the pros and cons, and I'm sure there's pros and cons of it being a buzzword. But um, I really like that people don't actually you know look at it necessarily as literally not wasting I like that you know you've just addressed that as something more than you know not using a bin Um, I think that's really nice because for me that's exactly what it is for me it's like a philosophy and I hate using that I hate saying that word it makes me cringe but it is it really really is because you know there's uh, I won't go into this but there's a book called One Straw Revolution and anyone interested in any of these um, subjects should read One Straw Revolution and it's a farmer philosopher guy called Masanobu Fukuoka um, and he's a total genius and he um, talks about nature in a brilliant way and he's uh, everything that we've been talking about about sort of um, natural organic systems, we need to focus more on that and less on these big industrial systems. Um, and in that book, he doesn't use the term zero waste, but he, he he's always referring to like natural systems and nature having like no waste. It doesn't, nature doesn't have waste. Um, and I remember reading that book and this is quite a few years into tackling Zero Waste um, and I just thought that's so, so, so brilliant like using Zero Waste is like different philosophies there's stoic philosophy and the existential philosophy there's philosophies with a sort of a title and I love this idea of Zero Waste um, you know, you can call it whatever you want. But for me, it, it seems fitting to call a sort of a a, a, a belief, and approach to eating and living naturally and having the umbrella term as zero waste um, because in nature there is no waste, as uh, Masanobu brilliantly describes in mm-hmm. his book. So, yeah, I really like that.
1: I also think that we... If we start looking at sustainability before we look at zero waste, we're starting in the wrong direction mm. because we really have to start at zero waste. It's the only way to stop mm. GMOs or yeah. the use of, you know, or Monsanto and all those mm. incredibly evil and yeah. scary corporations yeah, yeah. that sure. claim that we are not able to feed the whole world. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. if we start with an expression like zero waste, maybe people will realize that we can.
3: It's great. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. So
1: yeah, me too.
3: <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah, it's
1: freaking scary. Otherwise, mm. you know, and and the loss of you know indigenous apples, for instance. Yeah, or yeah, anything yeah. Like that. This
3: is the other sort of side of um, and the subject. You know, agriculturally, yeah. Uh, there's brilliant people like you know Dan Barber and mm. uh, Michael Pollan, and um, you know brilliant people that are talking about. How this industrial um, um, kind of control—not in control, but the industrial manipulation of the planet—you know—I'm sort of saying it's very wasteful and it's bad for our health. But then you know they're talking about like the diversity of, of nature. They're talking about you know the ingredients that we've lost and the sort of you know Dan Barber particularly as a chef is is talking a lot about you know um, you know once upon a time we the the chefs um, options were literally endless, uh, whereas now we can write all of our options on a piece of paper. Um, and, uh yeah uh, in terms of diversity we were talking about um you know sort of allergens and we're talking about diversity in in in, in nature but diversity in our in our gut you know our gut the gut is another sort of uh trending subject within a niche world of um health and well-being like the gut has more um yeah it's more complex than the human brain um and uh, industrial foods you know diet uh kills the bacteria in the gut and without that rich diversity in the gut your defense system is so weak which is why people are so sort of um I always get in trouble when I say people are so ill these days because it is and it isn't true, you know, whilst... uh, Well, it's
1: like everything. It's part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're part of what we do. Yeah. There's no denying that.
3: Our defence is so, so low now, uh, but obviously people are living longer and living better because of advanced, you know, science. It's kind of like a
1: a seesaw. It's kind it's of- two sides of... to the coin. Yeah, I yeah. just had this discussion with a friend who's traveling through, he's American and he's traveling through Europe with his other friend who's also American and his friend always carries antibiotics with him.
3: Really?
1: So as soon as he feels the slightest cold or anything really? come on, he takes these antibiotics <laughs> and it's so terrible, it's yeah. so bad for him um, that we made these things available and we used them so freely mm. and ultimately it's going to end up damaging yeah. him more than it's yeah. going to help him
3: yeah yeah, but, yeah. It. but it's so interesting you you look at that and i don't know if you see it the same as me or anyone sees it the same as me but like it's like short-term wins yeah and it's the same in economy you know like um you look at industrial economy you look at you know what why these big businesses are looking at these sort of these processes and the whole thing's, you know, a short-term win. So, like, for instance, pardon me, the the cost of food is so, so low. Mm. And we think, oh, this is amazing, it's so, so low. But then what you don't see is the cost of all of the the problems that okay. are being fixed. Um, there was, somebody was telling me about like the American healthcare bill and like in, oh, I won't be able to remember the statistics, but it was absolutely unbelievable. So to fix all of the health in schools or uh, that's not true, but to, f- to, to make every single uh, school in America eat organic healthy food would cost, it was something like 2 billion. Mm. Um, and there was an amazing statistic like, in one year, the American healthcare bill had gone up by like two, I think it might have been trillion, who knows? It's silly, silly, silly figures. Right. Um, and so, in every way, it makes sense to be like, right, okay, let's put the money into the schools, you know, to sort of stop the problem from happening. But it's not obviously that simple it's like saying oh no the hospitals, people who are suffering with obesity and diabetes and all these things, sorry you can't have your care mm. because we're going to invest in schools they can't do that, you know that goes against a lot of you know uh, fundamental uh, principles of what you know um, society deems acceptable but <laughs> it's like they so they can't fix the problem it's like they've got a noose around their neck mm. um and it's just this yeah it's terrifying it is it's terrifying yeah
1: we need to come up with a a good long term plan which I think people do and people like you do all the time but your scale and your way of working is so small mm. that it, it affects a certain amount of people mm-hmm. all the time but yeah. it's not enough you know yeah 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 um There need to be more people doing what you do, obviously. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile,
0: we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month.
3: You know, the silo uh, model can be replicated in a restaurant. It can be replicated in a hotel. Mm-hmm. It can be re- replicated in a, a hospital, in a town, in a village. You know, it's a simple basic principle of like, you know, looking around us um Working directly, working, you know, you addressed earlier, like seeing your food um, and, you know, uh, having simple ecological systems in place, you know, composting and, uh, and having uh, ways of cleaning and doing all the things that we need to do in the modern world in a sort of more ecological way. You know, I could list them on one hand, what those things are. Um, those technologies and sciences, they exist today. They're not as you know, well-known as people, uh, as I would like uh, them to be, but they're, they're there, and, you know, so then it's just very simple. Like, it's very, very simple how that could be replicated into... I always like to, in my, my, my head, I always dream of this like little village mm-hmm. and um, it's having uh, a sort of a cooperative and it being very off-grid and um, you know having somebody it's quite uh, <laughs> sounds quite novel but it, it, it is the silo model and it's having some guy baking bread and milling the flour and then some guy you know having cows and churning butter and making cheese and then another guy da da and then having this like small system um, in which the food is all created um, from scratch from, from around them they're working directly with all the produce and the ingredients and then having this is not like a, um, an ancient thing this is a you know you could do this today of
1: course you could but it's like also saying that uh the Industrial Revolution really sucks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, this is interesting. I always get uh, people saying, oh, why have you always been so negative about industry? I'm not. Like, mm. I think the Industrial Revolution is one of the best things that's ever, ever, ever happened. It's incredible. incredible. But we've dealt with it we've sort of got carried away and not questioned every output of it so like capitalism is not a bad thing it's only bad when you get greedy people involved in capitalism which unfortunately is one of the worst human traits is greed Um, but capitalism fundamentally is an incredible idea Um, and so is you know industrial um, machinery
1: like with everything else we mishandled it and now I mean, ultimately, like you said, we're going to be the ones paying for it yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is scary. Yeah. But there's a few things about Silo that I was super impressed with. Um, Obviously, the compost, which is an amazing mm-hmm. invention. Yeah. Um, But your water system is so cool. Yeah,
3: yeah. And it's... how
1: you don't use any soap in
3: yeah. the restaurant at all. <laughs> yeah, no, this is quite the extreme example of, um, you know ecological uh finding a way around so in terms of zero waste like one of the biggest diff- most difficult things to 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 work out in a restaurant or i'm sure in any commercial environment of today you know there's laws and legislations you have to have certain ways to clean and certain standards to keep with hygiene and health and well-being and whatnot and um yeah and cleaning products is very non-natural these days um and there's a lot of packaging because non-natural things have to have non-natural uh packaging and um, that's a problem for me um so yeah I managed to uh, when I was in Australia actually I was um very lucky to Meet somebody who is using this electrolyzed, oxidized water, which is basically. Um, it sounds very complicated in science, science-y, but it's actually very old science. It's very, uh, very simple actually. So it's water, just tap water, that goes through a filter, which is called reverse osmosis. It's just a fancy word for a a very, very fine filter. And then the water gets electrolyzed, which basically separates uh, or splits the bacteria into acid and alkaline, um, or splits the pH, should I say, into acid and alkaline. Um, And what that does is puts the the water and all the microbes in the water into extreme states of acid and alkali. So two extreme states. Now, at those extreme states, water—sorry, oh, bacteria—cannot survive. It cannot survive in like extreme acid and extreme alkali. It kills it, suffocates it to death. Um, so it kills ninety nine point nine 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 percent of bacteria in so more water. More than soap, essentially. Yeah. So it's it's actually cleaner than soap, but it's it's water. Um, so then, some clever person about thirty years ago had the idea of using that to um, more than thirty years. They used it in Japanese surgeons' surgeries still do Um, so the Japanese wanted a more natural way to kind of wash their hands when they were in surgery so if they were cutting a body open um, they wanted to wash their hands but also they wanted to wash the wound to kill any bacteria Um, because if you're you know somebody's body open and you know some bacteria lands on the surface and it could fester and go bad they could just wash that over with with water essentially but would kill any sort of external you know bad bacterias um yeah and so that's what it was kind of created for and then some somebody decided to to sell it to restaurants um i think there's only like 20 or 30 in the world it's not exactly popular just because it's unknown thus far it's totally um what's the word uh, um sort of business friendly you know they have all of the sort of um paperwork and and stuff to to make it legal and to make it acceptable and yeah so silo we took on this system and it, what it meant for us was there was no packaging so the machine is in the basement and you know it's just hooked up to the uh, to the main water supply and um so you put your
1: hand under it and it comes red and then yeah, it comes yeah, you. yeah yeah yeah
3: and um, so, yeah, and it was just literally tap water in the restaurant that meant you could, uh, you know, customers in the, in the toilets would be able to wash their hands with this stuff. And then uh, downstairs in the kitchen, we'd have, you know, pumps that pumped out different solutions of acid and alkaline, um, which were very, you know, Um, almost identical to like what cleaning products would do, you know, one and an acid would, you know, break down and cut through grease and bacteria and uh, the alkaline um, would sanitize I said that the wrong way around. The acid would sanitize, and the alkaline would would cut through grease and break down bacteria. And uh, we literally cleaned a whole building um, with with water. And you know, it's totally natural. It's just water, and there's a bit of salt in there. Um, so totally natural, zero waste. There's absolutely no packaging at all, and there's. Um, uh, what was the third thing? oh yeah, there's no road miles <laughs> it's all done on site, so i right. 'm not getting some guy to deliver ten kilos of chemical cleaning product every two months. you know there's no road miles but
1: I remember you telling me that it wasn't really approved by uh, the health department
3: uh, no it is, oh, yeah, is yeah, no right. it is yeah they didn't maybe I said that they didn't approve right. of it like they didn't understand it, right. so they were like very um like what the hell is this yeah. sort of attitude because like I say, there's only like there's not that many I don't know how many there are in England you know probably count them on one hand I don't um, think there's any in Sweden so. no no um, so, so yeah, no, it's uh, it's a it's a you know a lot of people are afraid of it, but it is just water. This is natural. This is another amazing example of how you know we can apply <laughs> ourselves to natural systems, and they we will find the answers. You know, like um, there's brilliant solutions popping up all over the world with, with natural solutions rather than non-natural solutions. I thought
1: that was just the most amazing things. Not that the other stuff that you do isn't amazing, but, mm. you know, milling your flour, baking your bread, that's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we can do that. Sure. Like this whole water system yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was so amazing. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive.
3: Mm. I think for me, the, the the I guess the big thing about what Silo is and what it represents and what it stands for is bringing all these ideas together. Mm. It's all of it, all of it together in one place that's doing it all Um and making it, you know, real, mm-hmm. making it commercially viable, making it work, making it profitable, making it, you know, good, um, because no one's you no know, no one's doing that. And um, uh, hopefully, people will see that, it, you know, it is possible, and they will uh, take it on. No one has yet, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah.
1: One step at a time. Yeah. Um, the other thing is. Uh, um, for your produce. I know you work with something called the catch bar yeah, yeah. Um, with the fish and I thought that was really great as well. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, this is where it gets a bit
3: controversial. So I'm actually not using them anymore. Okay. Ooh. So I think one of the best um, qualities to adopt as anybody dealing with any kind of innovation, is to never assume you know everything. Never. In fact, you have to be super humble. You have to be super, um, you know, question yourself Mm -hmm. all the time. Be confident, but, you know, question every single thing that you're doing and not be too proud to be like, this is wrong. wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, I say all the time, like, you know, Um, we get things wrong every single day, you know, and it's, you know, I think it's super important that you're honest, and you don't let any kind of ego get in the way of of progress, um, which is very common. Um, So catchbox in this example, um, was something that, you know, made a lot of sense. It was like, the, the catch the, the the byproduct of big catches so you know when these big fishing boats would go out and they'd um uh take they they they'd catch the cast their nets and take back you know these nets and there'd be all this fish that you know they could sell but then there's a lot of fish they couldn't sell so they'd throw these dead fish back in the ocean now the catch box was like right let's use this these fish that are getting thrown away um so it's um, sounds like you know a win-win boom but yeah I was wrong like yeah so we got this guy he's local to Brighton and he's a properly um, I wouldn't know how to describe him he's very uh, aggressive sort of like insular man who sort of keeps himself to himself and he's obsessively he's into you know fishing and in marine life and he's very intelligent man who spent his career you know working to try and save the ocean he's not a very social man he's not very charismatic not very charming in any way and he used to like challenge everything we did with fish um which is good you know it was it's hard when you're trying your best um but yeah he was very much like where's that from where's that Mm. did you know this did you know that like really pulling our pants down on what we were using for fish in the catch box ah did not like catch box um so anyway, one day I said to him, this is on Instagram, <laughs> he was just like, you da-da-da, you phonies, you don't know what you're talking about, you're full of da-da-da, and really aggressively kind of, you know, going at us. And I was like, mate, I'm trying my best, you know? And so I said, all right, tell you what, you come into Silo and you tell all my staff what they should be doing and what, what's going on, you know, in fishing. And it was, you know, none of us particularly liked the guy. <laughs> Uh, but we all learnt a lot. No, it was it was pretty remarkable. Um, and basically, he you know explained to us how the fishing industry worked. He um, uh, explained who has the rights to fish where, and it's really bad. That's really bad. Like, so what happened with the
1: catch, but what was wrong with it?
3: Can you say that? Uh, Yeah, well, it's basically we're supporting the The wrong kind of fishing. We're keeping them, we're giving them money. We're, We're saying it's okay to do what you're doing and don't feel bad anymore because we'll eat your waste so like it is massively financially and um (laughs) you know motivationally telling them that what they're doing is fine um
1: and you take care of the the leftovers so to speak
3: yeah but it basically was saying yeah go out in your big boats and destroy the ocean and it's like no no it's wrong um so yeah so we realized that that was not the future of fishing so what do you do now um lots of little things uh it's actually quite simple um you know the, supporting small boats mm-hmm. some more uh, always you know it's very simple but hook and line you know anything lying caught is is a good thing um and choosing fish small fish you know fish that uh, that no one wants you know quite simple you know uh choices really just yeah, don't go for tuna or monkfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Choose the small fish. But it's difficult because obviously as a business you have to make it commercially attractive. Um but again that's where creativity comes in. That's where applying some sort of unique uh there's there's ways of there's ways of managing uh those 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 problems.
1: Amazing. Can you just I know you don't you think it's difficult with zero waste at home because like you said, you're a commercial business, but just say one thing that we could do to improve at home.
3: Um, buy a small fish. That's yeah. True. <laughs> um, So yeah, just um, question everything. I think that like... Uh, I'm lucky to have met some amazing people in the zero waste world and, you know, I've learned loads of tricks for homes that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, like toothpaste, you know, because I spend, you know, 100 hours of my week being very um, tired and stressed sometimes about what I do. So I don't want to go home and start making toothpaste. Um, But, you know, it kind of, it came a point where I felt like I have to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to not, um be so you
1: make your own toothpaste yeah, yeah yeah how
3: do you make it so it's super easy and coconut oil there's loads of ways to do it and i know some people that literally just put eucalyptus oil on a toothbrush and that's it every day boom but they, i always think back what would, what would cavemen use to clean their teeth and I, <laughs> genuinely that's what i was saying earlier like sometimes just imagine yourself being a caveman what would you do um, so yeah, eucalyptus is you put it on your teeth and rub it I don't know what they did exactly but it feels very primitive um, but yeah, some people do that coconut oil mixed with essential oils like peppermint and then you put bicarbonate of soda in mm-hmm. so it's just a little mixture of bicarb, coconut oil and uh, there's loads of other things you can add that do different things but essentially in its most basic toothpaste form uh, coconut oil, um, uh, peppermint uh, essential oil or you know any other mint, whatever you want mm-hmm. really. And then, yeah, bicarbonate of soda. And that will literally clean your teeth as well as any other toothpaste in the world. And it's obviously zero waste and natural.
1: Amazing.
3: So that's something that everyone can do at home.
1: I'm going to do that now.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks uh if you go on the blog trashes for tosses right
1: lauren lauren singer yeah.
3: she she can, I can she,
1: recommend following her on instagram I started yeah and she's very inspiring
3: she is a good chick yeah so yeah follow her and she's got all the videos on youtube about how to make everything in your home um you know without creating waste
1: amazing thanks Doug, for taking the time
3: no worries it's been a pleasure
1: It's awesome.
2: Yeah, that was really interesting. I know, right? Yeah. He's such a fascinating person. Yeah. And uh, can you really have zero waste? Is that really, really possible? Yeah, it I is really so.
1: possible. So what he talks about with the water flow and how he works with his suppliers. But, I mean, it does take a village. It takes people around you that are willing to cooperate and, you know, think out of the box. He doesn't have, like he says, nothing gets delivered in plastic. Everything gets delivered in crates. Um, The water, he doesn't have any soap. It's all this system that is designed to work. And it really does work. And it's amazing.
2: Mm -hmm. But you've been there Mm -hmm. and you've tasted his food as well. Um, What do you think about the food?
1: I think the food's really, really good. And I actually thought it was even better now that I tasted it here in Stockholm as well. I think that he's uh, maybe that now that the restaurant is a little bit more set, he has time to evolve his kitchen as well. Because I know that when he opened, it was a lot of stress and a lot of focus on getting all these components to work together. Um, I think that his cooking is is really nice. Um, very rustic, but very, very flavorful. Uh, he works a lot with vegetables, which I like. And he's just... Um, he's a sensitive person. He's a sensitive cook. And, he, you know, everything that he does resonates in the whole zero-waste movement. And in the end, when he says that... Um, you know, he teaches us how to make toothpaste. I think that's really amazing. <laughs> so I think we should all make our own toothpaste. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I know that you've been um, really inspired by him in your in your own life. Have you a little bit? Yeah, I
1: mean, totally. I think that uh, waste for me is something that I feel really ashamed of. Um, I feel ashamed that when I throw away food or anything like that, I feel ashamed when I have a lot of, you know, garbage. And I started to um, keep track of how many times I empty my garbage at home. Uh, which is a good way of realizing how many things you throw away mm. and packaging and everything. And um, I stopped buying um, makeup that comes in plastic. So I only buy it if it's uh, glass jars. Mm. And all the glass jars that um, I do have at home, I reuse. Like I don't throw any glass away. So instead of buying plastic containers, I only have glass containers in my refrigerator. So small things. I don't think that I will ever be completely zero waste. It's not going to happen. But I think that if we all just start thinking a little bit about it, I mean, there's a long way that we can go. Mm.
2: What What do you think about zero waste, Freddy? Of course,
1: it's an amazing thing if if um, if it works. Um. But I have a question about his restaurant. Mm-hmm. Was the purpose to have a zero waste establishment, or was he? Did he? No. Yeah, that was always the purpose. Okay, so yeah. the the cuisine is second hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was zero waste uh restaurant. Uh silo in uh, Australia is a zero waste cafe. So mm. very simple. Okay. And then when he opened in Brighton he really wanted he did want to focus on the food as well, but um main focus was to create a restaurant that was zero waste mm. with so really good. it's the food, food based on things and produce that's easy to uh-huh. okay yeah. So, okay. so all local um and he talks about this as well, and it's very important to realize who you work with. And when he talks about catchbox and that whole system and how he learned from his mistakes, I think it's really, really good. And we also have to realize that we always say that we're going to do something and we set out to reach a goal, right? So it's, it's a long road to get there and we don't get there right away and we're going to make mistakes along the way. And I think he's really humble when he speaks about that. And I think that's... Uh, that's what makes this interview really interesting. He doesn't proclaim to be some kind of uh, zero-waste uh, Jesus. Mm. Like he makes mistakes, and he learns from them. Um, and he does things to improve and, and better, and I just think it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Mm.
2: And I also think that he's starting to become a role model for, for other chefs in the world, actually. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So. I mean, there is the whole movement, and I know that we've spoken to... Um, to Matt at a mass about this particular thing and they're, you know, gearing towards becoming less wasteful as well. And a lot of restaurants do that right now. Mm. I mean, we have a, we have a social responsibility, so we need to be careful about mm. how we act. Definitely.
2: Yeah. And I think this is just, you know, a part of, of what we can talk about, about zero waste because we can, we could actually talk about it a lot much more yeah. but this is a good way to start I it's think it's a good way to start and if
1: anyone has any, any um, thoughts around this please email us, I think that we would love to hear other people's thoughts and also maybe things that you do at home, mm. what do you do? do you reuse uh, your plastic bags or you know do you grate your ch- you know, cheese leftovers like my mom did and all these things um, I think that it would be amazing to hear from people email addresses as usual contact at tuvedaniela.com. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah,
2: thank you. That's it for <laughs> today. serious part <pod> today. <laughs> thank All you right. very much. Cheers. <laughs>